Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, 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 welcome to another Not The Way You Think cast. I am your host, Sandra Mizell Cheney, and uh, my lovely co-host, Ms. Kiafa Key Parker. How are hey, you? Hey, everybody. I am well, doing well, doing well. Doing well. <laughs> doing well, doing well. Yes. I mean, how, I mean, how are we going to say it, right? Because at the end of the day, they say um, complaining isn't going to matter one way or the other, so you might as well choose exactly. um, to make your day great. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, today's show is titled The Dream Versus the Reality, and this is going to be a good and young because we're going to take a deep dive um, into the true words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s famous I Have a Dream speech. We're going to get educated, y'all. We're about to be really, really educated because we've all had dreams, and we tried to figure out if that dream was really reality. Sometimes it is, and sometimes it is not. So, Miss Keith, I'm going to take it away, girl, because this good teacher right here about to educate all of us. Go on now. <laughs> all right. So, first of all, I want to um, – I want to start with this quote that I found by um, W. Clement Stone. I don't know who the person is, but I just like the quote. It says, truth will always be truth, regardless of lack of understanding, disbelief, or ignorance. It still is going to be truth. And I wanted to start with this particular quote because when we look at Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, there's so much in this particular speech that has been overlooked. And disregarded when we've been taught it for years. And I won't even say we've actually been taught it because we've only actually have heard the last two minutes of his speech, which is mm-hmm. not which is not the full measure of the speech. So to, you know, it's, it's not the full measure. It's not giving you, um, as my daughter would say, it's not giving you what it was supposed to give. Okay, so the last two minutes don't give you all that encompasses this speech. Now, I also want to shout out to my former students at Oxford Hill High School. You all should know this information, so if you're listening, I'm shouting you out, and hopefully you're following, pick up some other stuff, and be sure to tell your friends because, yeah, we broke this down before. So let's just get right into it. Um, the I Have a Dream speech was... Um, was given on August the 28th, 1963. And when you think of, when you hear the particular words that we're going to be going through or going over, you're going to look back, look at it and say, well, wow, we're still experiencing some of those same things that Dr. Martin Luther King talked about then. All right, so let's get started. Um, he starts off by basically saying that today, he was joining them today in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration of freedom in the history of our nation. Um, I kind of 
question that when I even went back and read that too was like, why would he say that this is going to be the greatest demonstration of freedom, considering that we were already supposed to have been free? So just keep that thought in your mind. So he says, five score years ago, a great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation. So five, four years ago was 100 years ago as of when it was done in 1963. So you're looking back at 1863 and the Emancipation Proclamation when it was particularly signed, which was, as he stated, a momentous decree that came as a beacon, a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves. So if you don't know the word, and I, and don't, I don't want anybody to think that I'm you know, insulting your intelligence, but the word decree basically means it's an official order by a legal authority. So you already know that slavery was slavery was considered legal in the United States, but mm-hmm. now it's saying that this decree of, of freeing the slaves, the Emancipation Proclamation, it was a pro, they were proclaiming that um, Negroes were now free, period. We weren't slaves anymore. But the key piece to that is, he says, the Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. Now, when you normally times you think of withering injustice, Sandra, you normally think of something that's wilted away, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. So withering in this sense means intentional hmm. humiliation. That's what withering in this sentence means. So he says, the Negro slaves who have been seared in the flames of withering injustice, meaning in, intentional humiliation unjustly and in injustice. So when you think about it, slavery was intentional. It was, it was intentional for it to be. So it's not, it wasn't just a happenstance type of thing that America was just Oh, we're just gonna get into it because it's something to do. No, it was intentional. It was. It was. So when we think about the fabric of America. It's embedded. It was embedded in the fabric of America long a long time ago. Okay, so. Um, so so you know so 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 Kiafa, hold on one second. So this is why um, when you are reading something, um, and this is for me too. But my, you know, my dad taught me this. Sometimes you have to, I'm all about words, and sometimes you do have to, and when you're reading something, understand the context um, right. of the wording and understand what that wording meant because you could tell all the context and really this is what it meant. And right. you're thinking, you know, one thing, I remember growing up, my dad uh, used to always give me the dictionary. We had dictionaries, y'all. I mean, now yes. we have we we have online stuff. I don't know if anybody has an actual dictionary anymore. Uh, we have anyway, no, several. Uh, that, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was that's another serve another day. But he would always tell me to read stuff, and if I didn't understand or even really, he say, "Well, what does this sentence mean?" And so I would say what I thought it meant. He said, "What does this word mean?" And so I would make up something, and because of what I thought it meant, he would hand me the dictionary. Right. And say, it, up. it took this, the, the sentence to a whole different meaning, which is why we want to do this um, today, because we want to understand in the context of what he meant when he said, I have a dream. Because the context right. in terms of how we were taught it, and like you said, right. the last two good minutes, 
Correct. It's totally different when you go back and exactly. you look at what he said, but then you break it down by a, um, particular wording because it means something totally different. So I just wanted to say that because as you were talking, I looked at withering. Like, is this ingrained in me? And I was like, oh, my gosh, she's right. It says intended to make someone mm-hmm. feel mortified or humiliated, not withering away. Like, you know, not, you know, like something like I got to go to my plant because it's done shriveled up. No, that's right. not what he, this really, he's not yeah. saying that. Right. <laughs> exactly. Withering yes. injustice, intentional, intended. Now, and, right. and let me set the stage for this. And I know many, many, some of, some, um, you know, when you're listening, um, you may not have been there. You may have been younger if you were, go to the march. But this march was a peaceful civil protest. It was a protest. So I just need you also keep that in a backdrop. That's why he said this is a demonstration for freedom, not of freedom, but for freedom. So he's declaring something that this demonstration is for something, not of something. So at times we get confused in the for and the of. And I'm sorry, my English teacher part is coming out, but the of and the for, two different <laughs> things, okay? Of, for. This is for freedom, not of freedom. For. Means we're trying to get it. Why would he be trying to get something in 1963 that was already granted in 1863, 100 years later? So let's keep going. Let's keep going. So he tells you. He, he sets the whole stage. He says, but 100 years later, the Negro is still not free. 100 years later, the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation. And you, y'all probably like, we're not in segregation. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Think of you. Think of Think of your home. Think of where you live. And you say, well, I have, I have white people in my neighborhood or I have black people in my neighborhood. Do you? Or did you consider segregation also when it came down to the financing of your home or the school system and how much someone gets there compared to another school? Or I'll take, uh, um, you know, here in Georgia, you have a whole section of town, like the Buckhead section of town, that is like a really you know, high-end area. Lovely. It's beautiful. The schools there, you know, are nice as well. But you're looking at million-dollar million dollar homes. Most of those kids don't go to the public school. They go to the private school. They just do. Mm-hmm. But you come a little further down where we're in the same city, you can have a similar a similar-sized house land or whatever, but you, I'm, paying less, I'm paying less money, and my kids go to the public school but it's an all-black community. Why? That's segregation. Our schools are segregated still. Mm-hmm. But don't give me, don't give me like, I'm mm-hmm. not going to argue about segregation and integration, because that's a whole nother story. But anyway, but the word manacles, manacles, M-A-N-A-C-L-E-S, basically means chains of segregation. Chains of segregation. And then chains, we know, we always looking at, oh, it's something around, <laughs> hold on. So chains. I just had this vision of um the the, the George Floyd. Technically, the knee on his neck was like a chain. Mm. The chains exactly. of segregation, okay, and the chains of discrimination. So he's telling you that we're still crippled by these things. We're still crippled by segregation and discrimination. Discrimination still does happen. It still happens when it comes time for you to get a loan, to get a job. Don't let it fool you. It still happens. 
when you still have women who make less money than uh, than a, a black woman who makes less money than a white man and a white woman, but they do most of the work. So let's keep going. Mm-mm-mm. So mm-hmm. I the next line. It says, "A hundred years later, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity." Wow. Let me read it one more time. It says, 100 years later, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. So you think about it. Let me tell you how COVID-19 really exposed this whole line. You can see the difference as it related to kids who needed, when school shut down, everybody needed to go online. So there were a lot of kids who did not have access to the Internet, and it was shown. They did not have computers at home. Or you had more than one child. You had four children trying to use one computer, and you got different ages. That was not going to happen for a family. And the Internet, which which you normally have to pay for, now all of a sudden became something that they could get for free, whereas other other, um, ethnicities may not have had that same struggle. They may have had four and five computers at home. Right. In the midst of it, you have um, exactly. you have billion you have multi billion corporations getting billions of dollars in funds from the federal government, but the small business who services the community can't get it. Very few, if any. But big corporations still and making me, money. And, but, and let me just Go take it one step further. It's also depending on the community that you're in. And what exactly. I mean by that, if you if you live in a predominantly black community, nine times mm-hmm. out of ten, that small business did not get any of that money that was signed, um, you know, um, uh, was legislated um, to mm-hmm. small businesses. Right. right. It was, It depends on what county you lived in will determine yes. whether you got and you can have black small business who did well, was, you know, um, you know, uh, been in business for 30 years, but because of the community that you lived in, you did not get that money. Yep. So again, 100 years later. 100 years later. <laughs> the Negro lives on a lonely island of island in the midst. In the midst. That's right. In the okay. midst. Mm-hmm. So it says, 100 years later, the Negro is still languished. Languish means to suffer yep. from being forced to remain in an unpleasant place or situation. Forced to remain. So that means, so I'm going to talk about it from the standpoint of gentrification. It's not that the people don't want to have their homes and stuff looking nice, but if you don't, if you're not, if you're working a retail job, you might not have, be able to afford all those things and and come home and, you know, the landlord's like, well, it's just, I got a building. They don't care about the residents in it because they're getting paid. And you said the residents will buy a house. Well, I can't buy a house because I, can, I, I, I work a retail-type job that's not affording me the hours or the money to do that. And then you then you let the... Then you're letting... Then you're letting the the property go down 
So when all the other properties in the area go down, you're forcing me to stay in that situation. And then you call it gentrification when you all of a sudden bring in another com- another company or a group that says, oh, we want to buy these houses or this land or this property and fix it up. And then I got to move for my white counterparts to come in. Hold on to your parents' home. Both of you who heard those of you who heard that music, well, you know, we sometimes we get excited about things, and it's like, yeah, we have to add a little extra on that. <laughs> just a little extra, just saying. Yeah. But, but uh, I, I'm gonna, I, so I'm gonna go on the opposite of that. And I'm mm-hmm. gonna say for those who can or who did buy homes, right? for those mm-hmm. who um, was like, you know, I can go in this neighborhood and buy this house, but then. You're in debt up to the yin yang. Yes. You have mortgages that are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you don't get the same type of mortgage that your white counterpart. You exactly. may get a mortgage that will balloon in 15 years, or or or, or what have you. And so now, you, I mean, you are mortgage to the hilt. You got these fancy cars and all these other things. So you too are still languished, right? You two are still suffering to yep. be, uh, uh, and, and because now you're now you're in an unpleasant situation. Still, yep. so on yep. one end you have the um, the retail person who really can't afford to buy, and then you may go and buy that million dollar home or whatever it is, five hundred thousand dollar home, and still struggling. Right at the end of the day. Because exactly. at the end of the day, it, 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 it still comes down to the color of your skin at the end of the day. Exactly. Exactly. So when they came to the March on Washington, he says, we've, so we've come here to dramatize a shameful condition. So basically, it's like going to the Martin Luther King. like, we just went to the doctor, and I'm telling y'all, this is the issue. It's a cancer. We got a problem. You, you, we, America has a problem, has a major problem. He says, so then, then that, let's see how to, to piggyback on what Sandra said, Martin Luther King says it purposefully. He says, we've come to our nation's capital to cash a check. To cash a check. So why would they be coming to cash a check? What was promised? He says, when the architect of our republic, and to help y'all for the history people, we're not just a democratic society. We are a democratic republic. Let me just be clear. Look it up. Figure it out. Wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. They were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. So that means when you think about your mortgage payment, when you sign for your loan, you promise to pay. Your student loan, you promise to pay. The Declaration of Independence was a promise of to, for pay, um, freedom, liberty, justice, all those things. So we keep going back to we were seared in the flames of withering injustice. We were living in a lonely, um, a lonely island and a party um, in a mass in the midst of a vast ocean of prosperity, and we're languishing in the corners of American society, but yet we are supposed to be an heir, an American heir, when it was written. It says they were signing a promissory note, and this note was a promise that all men 
yes, black men, black women, white men, white women, but specifically black people at this point, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So if you're killing me, I'm not living. I'm you reneging on your promise because you done killed me. If I don't have freedom to walk around and do whatever it is I need to do, whether it's in my home, in my community, without being without being thrown back to being intentionally harmed or humiliated by injustice, that's a broken promise. And if I'm not able to be happy in the things that I want to do because I'm languishing in the corner of American society, you have reneged on that check. So he says we've come to cash it, and this was a hundred okay, years so, ago. So this on that note, let's take a breath ago. because it's time. Let's, okay. let's take a breath because we need to take a commercial break. <laughs> it's time cool. to take a commercial break on that. Commercial break. About four years before the COVID-19 pandemic, I made a decision to exercise daily. It is said that exercise is a tribute to the heart. So every chance I got, I would go to the gym, lift weights, walk, and even kickbox. I was determined to strengthen my core. Now, thinking back to when I was 18, I made another decision, and that decision was to register to vote. Every opportunity there is to exercise my right to vote, I take it. I'm determined to strengthen my community when I go to the polls. What about you? Get registered to vote. Your community is only as strong as the vote you cast. So let's make it a tribute to those who are not able to. Vote. So welcome back. Welcome, welcome back. Um, uh, I just want to put a plug in to please go out and vote, 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 vote. Your vote does matter. And we're going to talk about that, you know, um, on our next show. It really does matter. And we're going to break down that whole piece as well about voting. But I want Kiafa to continue her good thought because she was getting it to y'all. I hate to have to cut it off, but <laughs> we needed a commercial break so we can all take a breath. All right. Right. Kiafa. Teach on. All right. So. So when, so when they were talking about um, coming to cash this check, he then goes on to say it's obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring the sacred obligation, America has given the Negro people a bad check, a check which has come back marked insufficient funds. Now, you know you write checks. That check come back, you like, oh man, and you still got to mm-hmm. pay. You, you know, so your check is bound. So it goes back. They submit it. They resubmit it again, and then you get charged thirty, thirty six dollars for a for a check that they covered for you. Well, how many checks has America given to the American people that we to us, the Black American people, that we end up having to we keep submitting it in, and it keeps coming back insufficient funds. Mm-hmm. In, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, because you're not, we we can't live, because you're killing us. We don't have liberty, because you, if you're not killing us, you're locking locking us up. 
and we can't be happy because we don't even either, A, don't have enough money to be happy. Our educational system is poor. You're starting earlier and earlier to get our kids in the, prison, the school to prison pipeline. Um, you take away the recess for kids. You um, limit, you, you um, balloon college education so that it's almost unaffordable for anybody. So where's the happiness? Are we trying to circle back around to slavery? And mind you, this was 100 years ago when Martin Luther King said this in 1963. So you think about it, we're only 57 years out from him making that speech. 57 years. So you really think about it, we've only been 157 years out of slavery. From slavery. What has changed? Nothing. Because we're still, we're still, we're out here protesting now. And you're mad. People are mad. Well, they're looting. They're doing this. They're doing that. Well, it's not about the person dying. No, it's, it's, it's about more than just the people dying. It's about the fact that your check keeps bouncing and you keep demanding something from us, which you haven't given us what, what, has, what you promised. It's a broken promise. It's a broken promise. And I'm going to go back to one other thing because he also said about living in exile. He said, we live in exile. He said that in the corners of American society and finds himself in exile in his own land. And if you know what, a, what exile means, it's a person who is forced to live away from their native country. And I say that because my cousin took a picture of... Um, Took a bitch took a picture um of a thing that she saw downtown DC which basically said to be um to be African American is to be African with no memory and American without privilege. So let's just sink in for a minute. To be African American and even though we use the term African American to the, to determine black people, Jesse Jackson did that one, so I don't totally agree, but not not against Jesse, but just the word, because you can still have a person who is, who is a white African, and I technically African American, but black Americans. So let's just put it like that, black mm-hmm. Americans. We are black Americans. We're black with our memory of who we are as a native to a, from another country, and we're American but without privilege in the country. That's a mouthful right there. And so I want I want everybody to just take a breath and um and take that in because it is a lot. Um to be native to a country without privilege. And the truth of the matter is um we have to acknowledge that. Because mm-hmm. a lot of us are still walking around, you know, um, in pain and hurting and 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 maybe not understanding why. Because some of it that we are carrying doesn't belong to us, not really. Um, but we are the extensions of our ancestors. You know, we are the extensions, you know, of our of our parents. You know, and so that's why you see a lot of young people now. If you've been watching, if you've seen the signs, they tell you, I am not my ancestors, meaning they ain't turning the other cheek. Right. 
literally they're they're mm-hmm. not they because they're like Jesus in the Bible you know in the Bible when he went into the temple and he was like okay I'm done with this and he turned the tables over right it's exactly. called righteous anger mhm right so you got to let that sink in you really it doesn't mean that um this is how it's going to always be but in order for us to change some things, we have to be the change that we want to see as well. So we got we to gotta understand what Martin Luther King was saying. Right. Because in order, in order to move to the future, you got to understand the past. Yes. You just mm-hmm. can't. I mean, that's like people in the, in the church, all they want to do is teach New Testament. And I'm not trying to be churchy, but it, it relates. But they don't want to go back to the Old Testament. You right. got to go back. You got to relate the two. So you have to understand what Malcolm, what Martin Luther King, you know, and all those were saying and really teaching us in order for us to move forward and do what we need to do to be the right. change that we want to see. Mm-hmm. That's true. So let that sink in. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally. In order for us to, I mean, you know, to, I mean, we don't, we don't remember the past because some of us choose not to. We choose not to. And I'm suggesting today that you stop choosing not to. Right. You have to deal with that past. And the thing about it is because if you think about it, we're still dealing with this 157, 157 years later. Yes. Dealing with it, we're dealing with the manifestation of something that was intentional. So until we recognize, and I'm saying is that okay? So let me get you know, have all that thought. So I, I want because this is dry. I don't forget. I'm not just saying this to Black Americans and to the white people because you're choosing to act like nothing happened, or you're choosing that everything is fine when it's not. Not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you too have to face. You too have to face it, right? You you can't have that. Yeah, you can't have that that notion that Mitch McConnell had was like, oh well, we're forgiven of our sins because we elected a black president. No, boo, you're not forgiven of that. No, no, no. You can't. You how do you figure? How do how do you how do you figure that you're good because we elected a black president? But yet you stalled everything he wanted to do. That don't that don't make sense at all. So yeah, it's it's a long, hard, deep thing. You know, in the in the in the energy world, it's called you're gonna have to deal with that root chakra. America's gonna have to deal with that root chakra. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That yes. root chakra. Get to the bottom of and it. And it's deep. It's deep. It's entrenched. In the fabric yes. of America. Yes. It is what it is. Yes. So, but here's the good thing. Here's the good thing. Let me say how, let me say how, how Malcolm, Malcolm, how Mark, Martin pivoted. I know. <laughs> how he pivoted. He, he wasn't letting you all, but he, he, he pivoted a little bit. He said, but we refuse to believe because he still had hope. We refuse to believe that the bank of justice is bankrupt. This one girl um, on 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 Facebook or Twitter or whatever she she had this, she broke down the his the Black history in America talking about Tulsa and Rosewood. And if you don't know those particular towns mm-hmm. and cities, even in Monroe, North Carolina, yes. um, if you don't know those things. It was more than just one Black Wall Street. There were at least five towns and cities in the United States 
um, that had surviving mm-hmm. black communities um, that were decimated because of jealousy of white people and racism. They destroyed the community. So look up Monroe, North Carolina, Rosewood, Florida, Tulsa, Oklahoma, if you're not sure. The girl said, you should be glad, America should be glad and happy that we're only asking for equality and we're not um, giving revenge. Correct. You should be happy. That's a sad thing to say. In a sense, like she like y'all should be glad we ain't asking for revenge. We we not being vengeful, but just equality. But Martin Correct. even said, Martin said we refuse to believe that the bank the bank of justice is bankrupt. We refuse to believe that there are insufficient funds in the great vaults of opportunity of this nation where women women make um, roughly twenty percent on the dollar compared to. A, a white man making 80 cent on the dollar. Hmm. We've also come to cash a check that will give us upon demand the riches of freedom and the security of justice. And so every time you go to court, they keep telling you, oh, well, lady, um, justice is blind. No, it's not. No, it's not. It, 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 sees, different, it sees different colors, trust me, when it wants to. It either see green depending mm-hmm. on who got it, or it sees it sees darkness when um, the same crime. Because I, I, I was telling Sandra before, you know, when you go to um, when you go to court, you commit a crime. You can have the same person commit the exact same crime. They assign a particular number to the level of the crime. So if you commit a um, armed robbery, and your and your the gun that you was using, you never fired a gun, no no one was hurt. You may get fifty dollars. You may get fifty points because you did um, robbery. Um, you may get another fifty points for the amount of money. Let's say it was two thousand dollars, and then you get another fifty points because um, you used the gun. That's one hundred and fifty, right? Well, for some people, and you had no priors. For some, for some white people, they get two years probation. For the black man, he gets twenty five years. So justice mm-hmm. is not mine. But here Martin is saying, we've come to cash this check that will give us upon demand the riches of freedom and the security of justice. So listen here. When you have a promissory note, the person holding that note can call it in. So we've been calling it in. Yep. We've been calling it in for 57 years. This incident, these, these, this civil unrest now, this civil discourse, this um, protest, if you want to call it, is the calling in of the chip that's been old since 1863, well, technically longer, 1619. So you got a lot of years. Mm. That's 400 years that you owe. Let me just say, because it's just on my heart to say, stop with the 40 acres in the Middle East. Just stop. What? Just stop. That is how the promissory note is way more than 40 acres in the Middle y'all. Exactly. I'm going to need you to change your thinking on that. Because mm-hmm. as long as you stay with the 40 acres in the Middle, that's all you're going to ever get. Mm-hmm. You will never, ever get to where you, 
Go ahead. I was gonna I was gonna say, and you will never ever reach um that which you're supposed to reach or get right. that that you're supposed to get because you're stuck on forty acres in a mule. Mm-hmm. Transform the mind, release the forty Transform. acres in a mule. Right. My question so, is, what are you going to do with the meal? Forget the poor you anger. Do Wait, and, but not that, do, you know, do you know if you, you know, Desondra, you know I'm a huge genealogy person. So if you really sit down and begin yeah. to ask questions of your family, what you know, find out, learn your genealogy because you will find, I'm telling you, you will find that your family owned land that was either gifted to them or they worked for it. Because I found yep. out that one of my great-great-grandfathers had more than 40 acres in a mule. He had 66 acres. All trust. 66. Yes. And, on, and so right b- before we go further, because we have, you know, almost less than well, – I want to take another commercial break so that we can at least um, be with something um, to, for food for thought. So we're going to take that good commercial break, and we'll be right back. Okay, commercial break, commercial break. Talk about health. There are 60 things that you can do, but I'm only going to give you a few in these quick 60 seconds. 60 seconds, drink a tall glass of water. Do a twist. Take a deep breath. Do 20 jumping jacks. Smile. Go outside. Put it on your favorite song. Sit up straighter. Uh, These are just a few things that you can do, right? Well, let me keep going. Once you go outside, be grateful, tell a joke, do 10 push-ups, encourage someone, set a goal for the day, focus on one thing you love about yourself, wash your hands, compliment a stranger, try aromatherapy, salute the sun, give yourself a mini massage. Well, my time is almost up, so I hope you learned some things that you can do all in 60 seconds for your health. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, yes, uh, that leads us into what Kappa was saying about the genealogy. And I know you're probably saying, well, how does that relate to health on so many levels? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you need to know where you came from, who you family had, because many of us, our family had land. Many mm-hmm. of us, we had land that was taken. Yep. But you got to take the time to want to do the, the, the homework, to search, to talk to your families. Um, all of that is important because it begins to help understand from when you come, the past, right? So you right. can see where you are and where your future is. Yep, yeah. that is true. Mm-hmm. That is true. So I'm going I'm to um, leave with this, not leave, but we're going to wrap this part up because there's a whole lot more we can get into but I wanted to kind of tie this even further into the civil unrest now. Martin goes on to say we have come to this hollow spot to remind America of the fierce urgency of now. So mind you he was in the backdrop of Abraham Lincoln near the Lincoln Memorial when the speech speech took place. He said there's no time to engage in the luxury of cooling off or to take the tranquilizing drug of gradualism. So you know what a tranquilizer is. It's something that sedates you. And he says, mm-hmm. so don't take the drug, the sedating drug of gradualism. And gradualism basically means the policy of approaching a desired end in gradual steps. We've been taking that drug for so long. We felt like, oh, well, we got this voting rights act. 
past and we got this past and we got that past. We did. But let me help you understand. If you don't know what the Southern Manifesto is, the Southern Manifesto was a was a was a legislative bill that was put in before Congress right after the Board of Education, where Southern Democrats, yes, Southern Democrats, which are now kind of Republican, agreed to basically stop all measures of integration through legislative means. So don't think that oh well I elected such and such and he's a great person. What is the what is embedded in the legislature, the laws that's on the books in the particular state regarding some of the things that you're fighting against? It's on the books because they make legislation to go against what they say in in, in the federal Congress, but your state Congress still rules. I'm trying to help y'all. I'm trying to tell you. It's a whole. When we say it's, when I'm telling you it's entrenched, it's intentional on every level. Not just oh, we elected a black president. Well, yes, we elected a black president, but look how look how much of a struggle it was for him to get somebody elected to the Supreme Court to even get some of his cabinet um, um, confirmed for for um, judges across the land. That's 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 part of the Southern Manifesto. To not do the certain things, it's not. Yes, it has to do with money. It does. But if I'm gonna get labor out of you for free, you best believe that's what's gonna happen. No, no wonder the voting right, the Voting Rights Act of 1965, the protections that were in there for Southern states was gutted. That's why you can now only have one or two polls in a certain location in a in a primarily um, black neighborhood when you got over ten thousand people for two polls. Two, two so polls I'm gonna say again because our time is running down. So I'm gonna say again about the vote. Get out and vote, please. Right. Because at the end of the day, as you see what she's saying. Um, your vote does matter. Vote is valuable. And to this day, they're still trying to suppress your vote. Okay. Why do you think that is? Right. They're still trying to suppress it. And, and, and only in certain counties and neighborhoods, mm-hmm. your vote is important. It is valuable, yep. and so are you. Get out and vote. You can't get weary in well-doing. We cannot, as a people, we have to keep fighting the good fight. I might say the good fight of faith. I'm just going to say fighting the good fight, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to keep fighting. So we're going to continue this conversation um, on part two. Right. So this is getting good, y'all. We're going to, yeah. So we're going to continue it. We want to thank you, you guys um, for listening, for joining in on this conversation. Please remember, please remember um, that uh, you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind because everything is not the way you think. If you don't believe us, continue to listen um, on the show um, in a couple of weeks, and you'll find out as Kiasa unpacks even further what Martin Luther King's dream, I Have a Dream speech, really meant. Okay? Thank you, Miss Key. Girl, you are the bomb diggity bomb, honey. <laughs> yes, you are. Well, I am so grateful that we are doing this. Um, I think it's 
I think it's appropriate for the time and the season that we are in. And yes. like you said, keep fighting the good fight. It's, yeah, this... A faith, yes. A faith. A faith, yeah. Keep fighting the good fight for faith. Um, put your boots on the ground and let's go. Because we got... We, 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 we All right, guys. We got in seven years. <laughs> All, All right, right, guys. We got to go. Talk to you soon.